0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode five of Where's This Going? I'm Felix Levine. And before we get started, I just want to thank my sponsor, US Wellness Meats. US Wellness Meats is a meat and seafood shipping company where the owners are the farmers themselves, and all of their foods are raised on family farms dedicated to sustainable and ethical principles. They do not use any pesticides whatsoever or herbicides, antibiotics, growth hormones, or GMOs. All of their beef, lamb, bison, and dairy products are 100% grass-fed and grass-finished. They also offer pasture-raised heritage pork, free-range poultry, and wild-caught seafood. U.S. Wellness Meats has over 400 all-natural whole foods in their online store, which can be found directly at uswellnessmeats.com. They supply nutrient-dense all-natural foods to professional football and baseball teams, colleges, individual athletes at the highest levels of every single sport, health professionals, respected gourmet chefs, fine dining establishments, and families all over the country in every single state and Canada as well as Puerto Rico. If you're looking for some of the best quality on the planet, check out uswellnessmeats.com. They ship anywhere in the country for only $9.50 for shipping and handling, and most orders are delivered within 24 to 48 hours of leaving their facility. Use promo code podcast that's P O D C A S T for 15% off your next order. Also, big thank you to our other sponsor Infinite CBD. Using code WTG10, you can receive 10% off your next order at InfiniteCBD.com. And now today, ladies and gentlemen, I am very excited to have somebody that I've really looked forward to having on this show for a while. His name is Vinny Shorman. He is a kickboxing and Muay Thai commentator who is also known as one of the world's finest mind coaches he works with ordinary people that are struggling with different types of addictions as well as top level athletes more recently he's been working with people such as ufc former bantamweight champion cody garbrandt as well as kevin lee and eddie alvarez he you may have heard of him because he was on joe rogan's podcast twice in which and two episodes in which i would highly recommend to everybody i'm super honored to have him on the show today So let's get it rolling. I'm here today with Vinny. Thank you so much for being here, Vinny.
1: No problem at all, my friend. No problem at all.
0: So I kind of want to just start off. I did a little introduction so people have a little idea of who you are. And, you know, they've seen you on Rogan, um, which I I loved. That's how I first found you. you. And so I kind of want to get into it at first. Do you think people should use coaching and therapy when they're doing well? Or is it just for something when you're going through rougher times?
1: Well, why would you would you hire a um, fitness coach if you were fit?
0: Well, I don't know. Well, yeah, to improve
1: that, to improve that. Yes, I mean it's it's interesting because people seem to think that, especially how people have these two misconceptions. Number one, that I just work with fighters, and number two is that they can just ring you just any, and if as a competitor in any any sport. And then they can just get in contact with you just like a week before to give them some sort of magic power uh, and make them perform better. You can, but if you learn to know the person at a deeper level that we that I do in therapy, then you can you can you can improve all aspects of, of their lives. So, in answer to your question, which is probably a long-winded way of putting it, a long one way around it, um, yeah, I think people should. If they want to improve, if they want to continue to, I continue to improve. So I don't sit there and think that I'm some sort of guru, magical person. at night, not far from it. you know. I have my up and down days, but I still continue to read, continue to seek out more information. And that's what the idea of the unconscious mind and the human psyche is, it is to uh, constantly seek more and more. So I think you should in every aspect,
0: And in- even if
1: you're doing well or you're not of course
0: and in terms of yourself kind of uh just to go chronologically a little bit how did you kind of get into coaching because before you were kickboxing muay thai commentator um you did that for a while and you still do some correct
1: yes sir. i uh, i still do commentary and i still uh do a little bit of pads for certain people not very often it's not my passion and these other people that are better than me anyway so um but i i still do that for a couple of people yeah commentary i still do for infusion and I still work for Yoko as well.
0: And so, then, how did you kind of come onto coaching and get into that? At least at first.
1: Um, you mean you mean which type of coaching? Mind coaching, or
0: Ma- more the mental coaching and uh, having clients like fighters and I mean others because that's you know you have other clients other than fighters to be clear. And what you yeah <laughs> you also of course I, did. I
1: have lots more clients that aren't fighters than are because you know with fighters they they tend to. Um, uh, the, the fighters, a lot of fighters only see what's in front of the face, they don't see beyond that. Um, and they, they just they focus on one thing. Fighters are selfish on purpose, and they should be because they're putting their lives at risk. So it can be, um, it can be very difficult working with fighters. I'm not gonna lie. Um, and to keep them in a, um, to, into a, a regime of, or a, a routine of what you want them to do can be difficult at times. Uh, but, yeah, I work with everybody. The, the reason, that the way I got into it is because um, I've always liked helping people, even as a kid, from, from back in the day. from I've always, I've always liked to make people better. I was, I was the class clown in school. I was always messing around, making people laugh. Um, I liked an audience, so to speak. And I enjoyed what laughing did for people. And then you realize that words have a magical effect on people's lives, people's moods, people's situations. Then you realize, that, you know, language is, language is spells, and you can, you know, you can abracadabra some things away. So it's nice to do that. And that's what I enjoy. And about how many clients do you have? Um, uh, I have... A lot of clients. I can't really say it varies from week to week. It depends what they're doing, and it depends how organised they are. I, am. I, can, I, I must, must admit, I can be quite uh, disorganised. And I was talking to someone today, ironically enough, um, saying that I might have to hire someone to work my website because I, I, I get inundated with people and I, from Instagram and from a website, and it does get overwhelming in time. I'm only one person, so. It's, um, it's difficult to do at times, but I, I can't really put a, a number on it. A lot, I'd say a lot.
0: And what's your what's a daily schedule look like for you?
1: Every day, start the day We drink Limitless Coffee. I have <laughs> to put that in because it's true. No, it's true. I, I, I do. I have that every day. If I don't have that, I, I, I don't train as well. I start my day off every day. I go training every single day because I believe that if you make training your job, if you make um, going to the gym your job, you know, you're more than likely to perform better in in, um, in the other aspects of your life. Obviously with health, health is wealth, etc. The old cliche. But um, I uh, it depends. Some clients are from Australia and they, they're early in the morning so they can start from like 7am and then up until like 9pm I can have clients from um, the United States. United States from like, like from say... One, so I would say about like this time, like five pm, East Coast and West Coast, and then um, other clients from from England. They I can have them in the evening, or they come to my house, or whatever. So it's it's a very um, it's a very erratic uh, job because because of time scales But yeah, there's not really a structure to the day. Um, maybe I should get it more structured and give you a better answer.
0: And, but um, just that. and just um And when you have a fighter that you're working with that's going through camp, and some of the more notable ones, I guess, that have been kind of public about working with you recently are people like Cody Garbrandt and Kevin Lee. Um, when you have a fighter that's going through camp, do you have a, a structured schedule on when you'll talk to them? and And could you give us kind of the gist of, like, the progression of what it's like when you... Take on a client from the beginning to the end, and what you like to, how you like to get to know your client in the beginning.
1: I'm, I'm very so. I I like to build rapport. I mean, and I try to be use charm as much as I can, (laughs) Uh, using the 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 English English manner. But um, no, I I try to get on with everybody and and see their point of view and get into their model of the world, Um, and just get them the better version. I can't promise that they'll win by using me. I can't that's a lie but what I can promise is they feel better about being them and um, a happy fighter is a successful one and when you get to a a point where you get a good rapport with them and a good understanding you find what clicks with them and what doesn't Um, and I've got a high level of respect for all of them every single one I'm also working with uh, Eddie Alvarez Kelly O'Range Liam Harrison of course quite known about that and um, yeah, it's, and it's it's about building rapport with them. Everybody's different. So people think that fighters think a certain way, they don't. They're like everybody else. They think they. It's interesting that one of the most uh, often said things is, are uh, oh, you going to think I'm crazy, but I think this? And that you'll find that most people do have a way of thinking which is exactly the same as yours or, I, or mine or yours or yours or eyes. you know? And it's just. Uh, um, it's interesting how people think that they, they they are uniquely unique, but they're generically we're all pretty much the same.
0: And how do you how do you get a fighter, especially, who's going through a long camp of two or three months and has been fighting for years, and they'll they'll put in so many hours of work to prepare for their fight, and you know you always hear. Their coaches, or some of their sparring partners, or their teammates, or their friends, be like, "Oh, they look so good in camp. They look so great. They look like a rejuvenated version." And then come fight time, sometimes they might freeze up. How do you, on the mental side, kind of prepare your fighter for those fifteen or twenty-five minutes in the cage? Because it's true, they can look fantastic leading up to it, and that. But it's really about what you how you perform on fight night. It depends what's going on in their lives.
1: See, people think that when you go into the cage that you carry just the instruction of what you have to do for a fight. You don't. You carry your whole mind with you. You can't just leave bits of your mind outside the cage. They all, your whole mind goes, it's like saying, i just leave my leg there, hop into the cage. Now, you take everything in with you. So if you've got something that can echo from the past, i.e. something that somebody said when you was a child, something you said by one of your peers at school, or your teachers at school, or some aspect of uh, with a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever the case may be, and that they then things can still be um, processing or still be repeated. You have to rely on your you. <laughs> you have to rely on your mind. You have to rely on your mind to be fully with you. This is the thing in. In mind coaching, called congruence, and congruence is a connection, a harmonious connection between the conscious and the unconscious mind. So you have to be um, mm. fully connected in mind and body to be able to perform at such a such a, a strenuous and stressful situation, or making the stressful situation something that you enjoy. So everybody's different, um, Felix. So it's 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 different for everybody. Is there a, is there a is there a generic way I do it? No. I see a lot, see a lot of hypnosis now. Um, people doing a thing called snap inductions where they put people under, they go sleep. When you wake up, you were super confident. But if you don't know the person, um, if you don't know what they're like, you could put them on 50 times and keep telling them they're confident. And if you don't know what's made them feel doubtful or dubious in their abilities or unconfident, then you're just, it's just basically showing off. I see a lot of that on Instagram recently and I don't like it. Yeah, I do do hypnosis. I'm a hypnotherapist, but I, but I don't like this. Look at me. Ah, look, he's under and I'm marvelous and I'm magic. You're not. And I, I don't like that. And I've seen a lot of that. So I get to know my clients personally and, and, uh, and, you know, I get to know my clients intimately in that way. So, so I understand them best. So I understand what to do with them to get them to to be the best version of them
0: and do you talk to them right before they go fight like the day of
1: um yeah i mean it depends um it depends on who it is and depends on how reliant they are on you It depends on how much work i've done with them sadly with with the thing with me is people always contact with contact me after they've lost it seems to be like you know, I'll contact him after I've lost and this could, this could be a missing part or blah, blah, blah. Which is, I mean, it's great because it keeps me in work. But I mean, it's also, um, you know, if you're winning and you want to maintain, you when know, or you want to maintain your, you know, your ability, like strength and conditioning. You say you're always trying to be your personal best. If you want to be, still be your personal best and, and be the very best of yourself, then you have to give yourself the very best of what, is on offer, you know, and um, I think I think for me personally, it's uh, it's a very eclectic. very difficult to explain my job, and then that's why I'm probably struggling for words to to be able to tell you I have this structure and that structure for a certain person, uh, certain people. I have four questions that I, I ask them to fill out, and then I can see their model of the world, their structure of how they think, and then see what the end result. Of what they want from me and what I see, what's getting in their way, and um, and we do our very best to get that.
0: And usually, what are their goals? I mean, it's not it's not just oh, I want to be UFC champion, but what <laughs> kind of on a, on a mental level, um, you know, without giving specific names or, or people, what what are the kind of when they what's that first conversation like when they come to you? And yeah, as you said, it's probably usually after a loss. What what's that conversation like between you and them?
1: The usual conversation is is finding out, like I said, the four questions, asking the four questions about what they want. You know, what is it it they, what's in their way? We always ask what's in their way. When people contact me, they're in a state. They're in a state of um, being at um, effect. So there's cause and effect. So they're at effect. They're in the effect of what they think. So they are just in, they're affected, basically. So they're in this turmoil, really, of negativity, of focusing on what they don't want, focusing on the negatives. Um, and then all the, you know, your mind will be cast back to times when you failed and stuff like that. And then you'll see more failures in your life than than successes. You kind of shrug the successes off and you not recognize the actual ability of what you have, where you've come from, how you've done it. We seem to, like, forget things very easily. We seem to forget The the good things we've done. People tend to do that. Do you remember something someone negative said ten years ago? Yet there's someone that said all these people around that said fifty brilliant things. Yet you just kind of shrug them off and just keep the negative one. And it's like a I say it's like a pink um, sock in a washing machine. You have a white wash and you put all your white things in. One red sock turns everything pink. So it's like that mindset of if you think well this you're gonna poison. What you know, one poisonous thought can, can spoil things. So it's about getting to understand yourself. And I have a lot of techniques for clients and for uh, fighters or anybody else to, to use to get them to the place where they want to be.
0: And what's your preparation like when you're dealing with a client after you've kind of done that first uh, walkthrough of what they want and those four questions that you talked about? What is your kind of process behind the scenes before in preparations for a session?
1: I just know. I've been doing it that long. I just know.
0: How long have you been doing
1: it? Without sounding like I'm this special human being, which I'm certainly not, I've devoted that much love to it that I just get it. I just understand it. And then I I, I have a, a knack of being able to pick up language, understanding their unconscious mind, understanding how they think, and I just have a knack of being able to, and experience, of course, being able to decipher their uh, jumbled up ideas into stuff that makes sense for me, and to give it back to them so it
0: makes sense to them. And how have you as a as a can you also clarify mental coach? Is is there's no major difference between a mental mental coach and a therapist, or is there?
1: Um, I, I don't know where the, 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 mental coach came from, um, Ian McCall. Um, I think, uh, uncle creepy, and um, uh, I call it a mind coach, mental coach in England. If you call someone mental, it means they're crazy. <laughs> so I don't really use that in England. It doesn't go down well. I am a therapist. You know, I am a therapist, whatever the, 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 the label is, as long as I do my job, people feel better. They get the outcomes they want. They can call me therapist, mental coach, mind coach, whatever they want, as long as they get the result. The name is irrespective.
0: And on a weekly basis, or so. If you're going with a, if you're going through a fighter that's going through camp, how often are you going to speak to them? And what kind of do you try to do different things for every session? Or how does, how, or is it? It's obviously, I would imagine, it's different for everybody. Yeah. Yes,
1: it's different for everybody, and it, and it's these different tasks. So I'll tell you what you. I'll tell you a little secret of what I've been doing recently, and it's going to feel really strange. This is how I work. I'm a I'm a, I'm a believer in metaphors. I'm a believer in in, I'm, I'm believer in, in deciphering stories. We're, 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 it's the stories that we tell ourselves and the pictures that we hold in our minds. that not denote our lives. They do. It's what we tell ourselves and the pictures that we hold in here. And there's a story by Rudyard Kipling called Ricky tikki tarvey uh, And if you want to go on YouTube, any of your listeners uh, after this podcast want to see and go and watch it. And it's a cartoon and it's done by Hanna-Barbera. And um, I think it's done by Hanna-Barbera. Yeah. And it's a story of a mongoose that's protecting a family that live in India, the, the British family that live in India in the time of the Raj, I think. And it's about uh, how a mongoose outwits two queen cobras. And how he defeats two king cobras, but using his his intelligence, his smartness, and his um, his guile. You know, he's, he's a wily uh, mongoose, and it's very very interesting. I urge you to look at it, Ricky Ticky Tarvey. It's called, and um, I've been trying to get people to understand that because in the cage, people lose sometimes before they go in, hmm. or people lose during. So like, they're, for example, they get in the cage and the door's open. That's like the washing machine. They get in, they're in shape, the coach, they're in, they're on point. The weight's been great. The dietitian has been fantastic. Uh, cardiovascular system's on point. And then that cage door shuts. They throw a, a right hand, a kick, whatever, and it misses. Then it's like a sock going in the washing machine. Bang. And then they get caught. Then they ask themselves questions. Then they get, they either get annoyed or they they retreat, or they do something, other, and then they start following, follow, follow, not following the game plan, which I know nothing about game plans and stuff like that. And that's what can happen. And so, why, why Ricky Tikitabi is so important is it is because of how smart he is. See, the two cobras got, uh, just slide off, <laughs> so they go into this long grass, and he's and he's running after these two snakes, and he stops and he says, "I can't go into the long grass." I'm on my own. There's two snakes. I'll have no chance. But how many people have you seen just run into the cage or run into a fight or run into the thingy and use all this screaming, yeah, this, that, and the other, and they've not really thought about the process of what can happen or how I avoid it or where to attack. Ricky Tiki Tavi attacks each snake in a different way, um, goes to the snakes, plays mind games with them. It's fascinating, and it's so... And it's so poignant to me to see certain people that I work with they are so like this animal, yet one wrong thought process, especially in MMA, there's so many ways to lose, but there's so many ways to win. And it's just about which which path you've chosen, you know? Mm. So that's, that's my opinion. I know it sounds a long-winded thing, but what's Ricky Tiki tavi then you'll understand that I'm not crazy. You
0: can find it on YouTube. <laughs> yes, sir. Beautiful. I'll look at it after. Um, You're going to
1: watch it, and you know what? You know what? Every single person that watches, and please let me know what you think of it because every single person that watches it has a different, different um, understanding of it, and the different. Someone said to me yesterday. A client said to me yesterday. Said the mongoose said, "I can't eat too much because I can't fight well on a full belly," and it's 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 an interesting thing. It's an interesting thing to hear, you know. Everyone has a different interpretation, so it's good.
0: I'll go check it out. And um, I was going to ask you: Do you agree to help everyone that comes and asks you to to work with them, or do you kind of have to first kind of gauge um, if you think you'd be the right fit?
1: Uh, yes, I have to the feel if they're going to be the right fit for me
0: um, because.
1: Um, some people have got problems that are a little bit beyond my capabilities or I don't want to touch Um, and that's a rarity to be fair and some people are just rude I won't work with anyone that's rude I won't work with anyone that's um, I won't work with anyone that's rude or arrogant or ignorant I have a a radar for uh, people that are not very nice people and I don't have to work with them you know There's there's no
0: point and do you ever feel like there's some people that no matter how much work you guys do together, they might not really get over that hump? Or there's just always gonna be a little um, bit of a blockage.
1: The blockages can be removed. I mean, everyone's gonna have something where it's gonna be more difficult than others, but no, I don't I don't no, I don't I haven't I haven't felt that sort of overwhelmed by a problem, no I I have to be bigger than their problem if I'm not bigger than their problem then I I just, I I would just go along with just settling for, oh well you know, it's not my problem it's always down to the client, you're responsible to them, not for them you know, so they've got to do the work some clients are reluctant to do the work and that makes it more difficult in the end because they're not putting the effort in That's like everything, isn't it? You know, Mm. it's like school or anything. If you're not putting the effort in, back less than one hundred percent support is sabotage, and I've said that before. And if they're not putting one hundred percent in, then you tend not to want to either, because what's the point? No.
0: And I, I was also wondering as well, what, how important? I mean, we we know it's important, but you can probably measure it far better than than most people can. How important is one's childhood in the shaping of their mental well-being in their adult life? Huge. Is it everything? Absolutely huge.
1: Felix, think of it like this. When you're from the age of when you're born to seven, you can't really communicate because you you're um, we can't really communicate because we don't, we haven't got a big eclectic mix of words. We don't understand um, language too well. We don't understand how to express ourselves or explain things. So what we do is we download the information. We download the information. We video, Basically, we're, video, we're, video, um, we're videoing things. We're filming things, basically. Like I said, it's the pictures that we hold in our minds and the stories that we tell ourselves. So when we're, when we're moving through things like that, we're downloading all this information. And this information can be negative. You'll pick up traits that, for your parents, either positive or negative. So you, you, you pick them. It's very, very important. What you've been told is what you may believe, you know? I mean, let's face it. If a kid's told they're this, that, all the negative things you could say to a child, the more than likely they're not going to succeed, they're because well that's not because they're not meant to. You're, you've programmed that in. Children are very, very programmable, and that is a, a, a very, very, very important thing. It's important what you put into your mind. It's more important, I think, what you put into your mind than what you put in your mouth. Mm. I think that.
0: And do you uh, do you have instances where there was potentially a, a trauma in somebody's childhood life that obviously has lingered until they're in, into their adult life?
1: You'll you'll find that most people home.
0: right, and so then at that you'll point
1: av- you will find that everybody has.
0: And at that point, do you feel is is it possible to kind of, for lack of a better word, like de-traumatize somebody? Or if there's a trauma that's so prevalent since such a young age, will it always just re- remain there? Or it's just about kind of like lowering it down a little bit?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's love of trauma. You think about these levels of trauma, these levels of what people have suffered. Um, you can do your best to make sense of it and to make the unconscious mind understand it. Generally, when there's a when there's a something that's gone on negative, it's protected then by the unconscious mind. You, you'll, you'll, you'll it'll protect it because it's it's very sensitive. It hurts. You'll find that people are very angry. Very angry people have a high level of sadness. Sadness seems to uh, anger seems to max sadness, especially in men. Um, so yeah, I mean, it depends on the level of trauma. Some things are. You know, you, you just you would hold your hands up and say, well, "This, it's, you know, it's horrific." What I I have heard of some people, yeah, I have a high level of success in seeing people a lot happier and, and moving moving on and and getting past it. Do they do they still remember it? Of course, but well, can we lower the the um, lower the volume of the scream of that at time? Yes, we can.
0: And do you, I mean, you work with a variety of people, you know, especially on the, I was reading a bunch of the testimonials on your website, which are great, by the way. Um, you know, you drug, alcohol, gambling addicts, likewise yes. with, uh, I'm sure, a variety of other people as well. How different yes. on a mental level? I mean, obviously, you know, fighters are a specific breed of human, in my opinion. But,
1: but I, think, I think we all are. Right, I, th- I do. I do get that. I do get where you're coming from. I understand that. But uh, you know, especially when you when you're on your you watch them do perform what they perform, but I think everybody is. I think everyone's a a, a special type, got a, a special ability or a different type of human. But yet we're all uniquely the same. Fighters have to prerequisite of fighters. You have to be tough.
0: And how do If you, they're not tough, you never make it. How do you get a fighter that? Maybe once was known, especially for their toughness. That is maybe going through a losing streak to kind of like retune into that toughness that they were once known for.
1: You make them smart.
0: How do you make them smart?
1: By special techniques like
0: Ricky Tiki tarvey <laughs> We have to check it out then.
1: You make them understand. You make them understand. Tough. T- 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 look, when you've got let's let's say for MMA. Every single person in MMA is a puncher. Every single one, because them gloves do not protect nothing. They might stop you from getting caught a little bit, but if you get hit with them four-ounce gloves, you are getting you're getting put to sleep. Anyone. So, you, so you have to you have to respect everybody. So, it's, so a, a prerequisite is right. It, right, if they were tough. They still are tough, that it doesn't go away, it doesn't disappear. But what happens is, doubt comes in, so they get caught, they're tough, and they get wobbled. And because that's a natural thing, you naturally, you, you know, your, your chin doesn't get any better if you keep getting hit on it, it doesn't get any better. So, you have to be smart. So, we make people smart, we make people more artists. And this is the thing about again, Ricky tikki Tarvey hits in an area where the snake can't bite, and he bites the snake on the back of the neck. Why? Because the snake can't bite him back. He doesn't run at the snake and gut fight the snake. He gets around the snake mongoose. The, the mongoose can can kill a king cobra. So it's about being smart. And I and I and I, the biggest character in the world, the, the most revered character in books, films, TV, plays, and everything else, and the most written about character is Sherlock Holmes. And the reason why is he resonates as smartness within all our psyche. That's why that's why it's so popular. In our psyche, in our in our unconscious mind, we know that smart always wins. Tough doesn't always win. If you can you can be tough as much as you like, but it's about being smart. Now, smart will always win if you can have the two, the toughness. You've got to have toughness. If if you're a fighter, or you want to achieve anything in life, you have to have a level of toughness. If you want to be um, working at your business, you want to be the CEO eventually. You've got to be tough. You've got to stay late. You've got to work longer. You've got to work harder. You've got to um, go to meetings and shake hands with people you hate or whatever. Just smile and get through it. That's the toughness. You know, nurses, they want to be doctors, dentists, you know, people that work at Walmart. You, If you want to be where you want to be, you have to have a level of toughness. And it, toughness is very, very different in very different ways.
0: So do you think smarts and toughness are both things that you can create? Because some people think you're born, either you're born smart, or you're born, you know, dumb, or you're born tough, or depending on your childhood, you're, you know, if you come from a a, a tough background, that's how you get your toughness. Do you think that all of those things are able to, or with the help of potentially somebody like yourself, uh, able to create those traits?
1: um yes to a degree i mean you know you're never gonna you know there are i watched a program called the Ch- a child genius the other day and i was watching this and they, these kids are answering questions i didn't fucking understand you know and they, and they were rattling off these mathematical equations and stuff like that and some people have got a natural ability to be to be to be like that some people got a natural ability to be very very tough but it's about finding a fine line about finding a balance between the two and about finding a um, a congruence again, a connection. We're not all going to be geniuses. I'm far from a genius, you know, I, You know, and, and I'm far from the toughest man in the world, you know, but it's just about you finding what's what your level is for you. And if you're going into the UFC, are you going to be a Muay Thai fighter? Are you going to be, you know, you're aiming to be the best, I don't know, the mayor of New York or whatever, You've got to have a certain level of desire, a certain level of um, commitment, and the boring was hard work, dedication, you know, where everybody seems to spurt out everywhere, like the Floyd Mayweather uh, mantra. But you, you've got to have a certain level of, of understanding of intelligence and toughness. Can you make people more intelligent? Yes. Can you make people more tough? Yes. Can you make them rocket scientists? No. You see... I, I did a seminar, Felix, right, in Scotland and um, I I started off, <laughs> I didn't do it again, I started off with, look, you're not all going to be champions and then he rung me and he said, oh, it was a bit, it was a bit, yeah, we really enjoyed it, thank you, it's great but you said that we can't all be champions and I said, well, it's true. I'm not going to lie and then high-five everyone and say, you're all going to be champions, you're all amazing, you are all amazing in your own way but you have to find you're amazing if, you're gonna, if you want, think you're all going to be this UFC or this this K-1 uh, M-Fusion kickboxing world champion, glory world champion, whatever, you're not. That's not going to happen for everybody. But for people that will, will, are willing to go where you won't go, they've got more likely chance to get it. So.
0: And what do you think separates um, a champion on a, on a mental level? Like there are some people who, I mean, they're known fighters and not even just fighters, but athletes of any level who are so supremely Mm -hmm. talented but once they get to that almost that championship level they either they freeze up or they tighten up or maybe they don't necessarily tighten up they're just there's something that holds them back do you think there is something mental that really separates a champion from others other than obviously the physical skills
1: you can buy into other people's um you can buy into other people's abilities so you can mentally buy into other people's abilities. If you watch the fight between um, Vasily Lomachenko and Nicholas Walters, he quit. He didn't quit because he's a bad fight. He quits because he bought into everything that Lomachenko is. Lomachenko is a very, very special individual indeed. And I'm fascinated by him. I'm fascinated by him. And I'm fascinated by uh, Tyson Fury and uh, Alexander Usek. I'm very, very fascinated in the way that they think, the way that they move. Rhythm is very important to understand rhythm to be able to be focused uh, and not have inner turmoil going on with yourself to be able to read things. You see, it's like lyrics on a song. I, I like singing, I'm very bad at it, but, so don't worry, I'm not going to burst into song. It's okay. You can but sing. you know, sometimes when you're, yeah, it's all good. I'm good at everything going. So you're driving along in your car sometimes, or you're trying to get lyrics to a song when you relax, you trying to hear the words you know mm-hmm. you, hear the, you hear the words right i'll tell you i'll tell you how this comes about there's a song back from Mac in my day for a, a guy called uh, jermaine stewart and he sang a song called uh, we don't have to take our clothes off ironically he died of uh eight this <laughs> is pretty ironic really but anyway sadly uh, but anyway a great song left has been a great song but um it's it, and I didn't, and I never understood the words. But I used to sing them. But I used to sing my own version. And my brother Alan, I've got a brother called Alan. And he always makes and He always makes his own words up back in the day when I was a kid. But it's like when you, when I listened to the words, I understood it. And now it was like only like a year ago that I actually looked and thought, it was on karaoke, and I looked and I thought that's the words. And for years, because I had that idea that it was that, I used to sing that. But now I, I I know the words. Now I understand it, and it makes sense. But even still, sometimes I find myself singing it. I don't sing it all the time, which, you know. And I find myself singing the, the old words, and it's interesting because it's how your mind works. You had an idea of what it is. You've still got that idea of what it is. you know it's the wrong idea, and then you go, "Oh, it's not the words." Mm-hmm. So that that I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes I sound I sound bananas. But that's how I, I my mind works like that, you know.
0: yeah it works for every please tell
1: me it makes sense
0: it makes sense it (laughs) makes sense (laughs) I mean you can you want to sing you want to sing us a little bit of your song
1: well it it says you just took for granted that I want to skinny dip ah so that's what it says not a word from your lips you just took for granted that I want to skinny dip and I was like oh right I'm not going to tell you what I used to sing because I just thought oh, that was that. I'm not going to do that. It's embarrassing. But um, I just I just thought, you know, so it's like it's changing your lyrics. It's changing the song, the song that you've had in your mind, the song, that you've, the lyrics that you've thought, right, they might have worked for a time. But when you can change your lyrics to be able to, you change the rhythm of what you can do in a split second like Vasily Lovachenko do or, or Tyson Fury can do or Cody can. I mean, you watch the fight with him and... Cruz. Uh, Cruz is incredible. Incredible. He is Ricky tikki brother. Trust me.
0: He's amazing. I mean, and, Cody and, is really one of the most but
1: skilled. I think he's fantastic. And he, you know what? I'm not going to talk about the work with him. I've only done a little bit of work with him. I can't say it on loads. But what I've met, he's very nice. What I've met of Kevin Lee, he's an absolute sweetheart. Eddie Alvarez, lovely guy also. And uh, Khalil Roundtree, who I'm yet to talk to. Nice people, you'll find that they are really, really good people. They've come, they're, they're just people that want to succeed. You know, you have to trash talk maybe, or you have to do this and that and come across a certain persona, but it's, it's just acting. They're still people, they're still men, they still have children, they still have lives, they still want to do the things that they want to do to get where they want to get, you know?
0: And how do you kind of, you, you talked about this interesting idea, um, rhythm, which in fighting is obviously very important. How do you, on a mental Mm -hmm. side, kind of tune into getting them maybe to understand how important rhythm is and for when things are maybe going poorly in a fight, to always kind of get back to their roots and try to get back into that flow state, into that rhythmic state?
1: That's
0: a perfect way to say it, flow state. It's to understand that they can
1: guide their own bodies. You don't think about walking. So if you, you you never did you you, did, uh, you never do now you, you still don't but when you when you when you first started out as a, as a child getting up from the floor was very difficult you fall over you hit things you hit your head on this your mum would be and your dad would be holding your hand and you'd be wobbling around like that I've wobbled around like that as an adult when I was drunk but anyway it's not the story so uh, San Diego with Liam Hamilton last year but it's like you know it's it's just about it becomes a second nature. But it comes with practice. So it, it comes with practice. It comes with um, being so in tune with yourself that you get to read people. See, sometimes I can say to some some clients, I'll say this, this, and this, and go, how do you know that? I'll say, because I can just tell. And they'll say, how do you know? You, you kind of read rhythm. Your unconscious mind has rhythm. You read rhythms. Listen to what like Chanko said about beats, Wim Hof, people like that who are, who are really special, Individuals, but I've learned that they, they've learned this thing that over time. You know, Tyson Fury, um, John Jones, whoever—they've learned it over time. But they have a rhythm within them that that keeps them one step ahead,
0: one step ahead of you. Do you think it's that champion-like? Do you think having a level of rhythm, the way that you mentioned, of all those people that you mentioned, who are all champions, by the way? Do you think yeah. it's because of that that ability to tune into that rhythm that makes them so great?
1: Yeah, and they see things before they understand it. They they, they, they understand it. They understand. I. They just get it. Some people can just paint. Some kids. Some kids can just draw. They get it. You know, and and people that come to me fight, fighters, whether they've been champions, former champions, or current champions, whatever, they just get it. All I do is enhance that getting it. Does that make sense? Mm. You broaden their horizons to understand they get it. Oh, if they've had it, to realize, well, they can still have it. But in a, they do it in a different way. They do it in a, in a way that's more thought out. You know?
0: And I was just also curious, um, with the work that you do on a daily basis do you apply what you talk about with or your your strategies and your methods that you use with clients in your own kind of personal life and how does how do you kind of work on yourself cuz you're always helping other people and i imagine i don't know if like how does that work uh, internally do all the strategies that you use on your fighters and your clients and your you know maybe it's a recovering drug or alcohol addict or and and you know to an extent does that ever come up in your life where you kind of you know need to tune in yourself
1: of course of course it does but it, when you're talking to a client it's very interesting when you're talking to a client sometimes i'd be saying you should be doing this but in my mind i'll go you don't do it and i go fuck <laughs> do you understand yeah when i when i, when I talk about when I talk about things with clients, I tend to—it's it's almost therapeutic for yourself. It's interesting. I had a client today, and I—I—I I, I do also uh, business people, and I've been to my friend's business today. A very successful businessman in Liverpool, and I went to his offices today, and I was teaching him a thing called sanctuary, where you can create a sanctuary within your mind to go to when you just need to just get out of the world. It's a meditative thing, but but it's hypnotically put in. It's your it's your, your place. Put hypnotic, it hypnotically button. And good um, And when I was doing it, and I was, I know, and he was explaining it to me because it's called revivification. I won't bore you with it because it, it is the hypnotic is it is it thing. But when he was explaining it to me, and you have to explain it to them back because you, then you, you're reinforcing it. I could picture the place he was at, so the picture of the place he was at, and it was really sort of relaxed and happy and calm and good. I go there well, also, mm. so I have to go with them. So wherever they go, I go with them. It's a do-with process, not a do-to. Um, and that's that's always been the case and always will be the case. And I always do – I do now a consultation first. And the reason why I do a consultation is because, number one, it's uh, for charity. The money goes to charity. It's right in the box. And the, the second reason is, have you seen my 600-pound life? I haven't. Right. The premise of My 600 hundred pound lives is an American show is these really large people go to this surgical doctor who wants to uh, do um, gastric band on them. And he says, look, you need to lose 30 pounds in 30 days before you get to have this operation. And you see the struggles of these people losing 30 pounds. Some do, some don't. I have to assess if that person is willing to do what I'm going to give them. If I'm going to give them tasks, I have to realise if they're willing to do that. Some aren't. Ninety-nine point nine percent are, but you do get the one percent that won't. You're the one percent that won't. They're not worth having business because bad therapy travels fast. It's easy, you know. So that's 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 the premise of that.
0: And what are some of? I mean, you know, without giving away all the all the methods, just one maybe one example of you know a task that you might send somebody to do after a session the work that they have to do with that's not with you
1: okay I'll tell you what I'll do uh, as a treat for you because you're such a nice guy and I appreciate you be, uh, me having you me ha- you having me of on course. my, it's your my pleasure. podcast here's the four questions that I ask number one um what do you believe about you you can write this down if you want or you can be re- realistic re- <laughs> number one is what do you believe about you okay Number two is what did you hear growing up? What did you hear around you growing up? What was people saying around you when that, that you were growing up? Number three is um, what do the five closest people around you talk about the most? And number four is what do you want? Because what that assesses then, it makes you think, right, what do you think about? What do you believe about you? So you believe good things and bad things. We're not all perfect, okay? Certainly not. What, you, what what did you hear around you growing up is very interesting. It's the, it's the deepest one. Mm. Number three is, what do the five closest people around you talk about? So who are you mixing with? And number four is, what do you want? So it really sort of gets in the you're already thinking about it now.
0: You I'm know thinking I'm about, saying? I think you just put me in, in some type of state right now.
1: Well, yeah, we're all in states anyway. Talking's a state, music's a state, you know, driving's a state. So it's all good in the hood. Um am an American then <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so so that's what we do. Is we, we basically just you know we we find out what's going on. What do you want? The, the premise of everything. Well, what do you want? And people come with the same thing, the same answer every time. Well, what I don't want is well, I can not ask you what you want. People always find it very difficult to to to, to know what they don't what They talk about what they want. It's very difficult for people. So that's it. Changes the whole mindset of it. There's lots of different techniques involved, but then four questions, um, you and your listeners can have that and uh, ruminate them themselves and have a look at themselves and go, that's interesting. uh, Find out what they want. So there you go.
0: And one of the techniques that you kind of touch, they go in depth with on both the Rogan episodes, which I recommend everybody to listen to if they haven't. Thank you. Is hypnosis. And I know you did it with Joe. Um, but I also, I'm kind of curious, there's a lot of misconceptions on what hypnosis actually is. You know, some people think it's waving a spoon in front of your face for five minutes or doing a bunch of other things. Can you kind of like dig in for people who might not have listened to, to you on, on Rogan or have not, or don't really know exactly what hypnosis is to kind of dig into it and it's misconceptions. Uh,
1: it's misconceptions I don't do. Uh, the misconceptions, I, I don't do stage hypnosis. I don't think it's funny. I wouldn't get people... I don't do these look-at-me round of applause on Instagram. I'm the greatest hypnotherapist in the world type things where you get people to do things just for the entertainment of you. I don't do that. Um, I, I do hypnosis purely for uh, therapeutic and for a whole reason, wholesome reasons. The... Um, Hypnosis is a state that's induced by yourself. It's induced by your own mind. Everybody's experience of hypnosis is different. Everybody's. So, everyone will tell you what a different experience they'll have of it. And it's basically your imagination and your unconscious mind, which is, you could say they're both the same, really, um, accepting. And being receptive to new ideas and getting out of its own way to accept that and to either accept or reject the ideas that you're putting in. If it's for the positive uh, notions of the other person, then that's that's then they'll enjoy it. The difference is with me is I don't use a script, I'm never scripted. I do a certain there's a certain consultation I do, but I'm never scripted. And I always use your language for you. Like, for instance, um, I hate the word um, content. Mm. I hate it. Why? It's, it's, it I don't know. I mean, uh, and chillax or, or some words that really wind me up I just don't know why. They just do. You start, you know, you'll know, have a word that you would use in your language. You wouldn't tell me or say a certain word because it, you just don't like it. We don't all like the same things. But it's like what, what that can do is if you're saying a word that somebody doesn't like, that can sort of half bring them out. The unconscious mind will accept it. So you said, and I bet you, are you content with your life? Oh, I hate it. just don't like it. So it's about getting their language and using their language back to them. That's how you get a deeper level of effect. These other got the people to be sleep and then you wake up, you'll be really super calm and you'll feel that you're a winner and blah, blah, blah. And they go, yeah, I'm a winner. But there's no thought behind it. You can go in and think, yeah, I'm confident, bang, bang, And you get dropped. I'm still am I still a confident winner no so I've got a minute now you got to be smart now you got to outthink now you got to out out move out maneuver out out breathe out technique out whatever you know it's about you being able to use your and and', and have installed in you from hypnosis that this is the pathway you're going
0: and about how long can somebody, or on average, are your 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 clients kind of it in that hypnotic state for? Depends how much time I've got. And what kind I don't of-
1: I don't drag it out. I don't have these long dragged out. Nah, 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 nah. Because you know, you have to inst- I'm giving away secrets there, Felix. It's, it's okay. okay. You don't like have to give away all your secrets. You're my friend. Because it's only between me and you.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I hope it's, you have to say,
1: you have, you have to install a, uh, you have to install a belief from 14 to 21 times. So if I, I said, you know what, I'll tell you what I'll do. You're welcome to have a session of hypnosis with me for free. Wow.
0: Thank you so much. I would love that. I would
1: love to. Well, we, we can do that and then you can talk about it in, in another time. Yes. But he's like, you have to install, say it's confidence. You have to say confidence 14, 14 to 21 times while they're in this state of hypnosis. So you could be confidently confident knowing that when you're confident in that confidence, that confidence can grow for you in a confident way. Mm. So I already said it quite a few times. Yeah. Okay. But you're layering it in. You're, lay, you're layering it in all the time. And I like my clients to be aware, a super high level of awareness. You watch any great champion has incredible awareness. Penel Whitaker, uh, Muhammad Ali when he fought Cleveland Williams, Andre Ward, who I absolutely, he, I would have him tattooed on my forehead, I hope, really, <laughs> but I do love him. And I've been watching Andre Ward more and more, because Andre Ward wasn't the strongest, wasn't the fastest, but he would outsmart everyone. Andre Ward is Ricky Tarby. You know, they, they all have this skill, this this level of control. And, yeah, I'm a bit, sorry, I'm a bit Ricky Ticketabby'd out mm. of my mind at the moment.
0: And what's it like for you after working with somebody, whether it be a fighter and maybe they win their fight or they accomplish at least what they wanted to, or whether it's, um, you know, an ordinary person who's been struggling with alcohol and drug or gambling problems and, you know, they they might land a job or they might kind of get over what's been holding them back. What's that feeling like for you when you see that happen? Fabulous.
1: Absolutely fabulous. And it's no different from someone winning the UFC belt. Um... That's to come, I believe. And um, or that or someone getting a job. The, 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 I've got some good success stories, some big ones. And um, but there's one particular story of a lady that came to my house and she was suffering from anxiety so bad that she had a nine-year-old daughter and she never took her to school. She couldn't take her to school. Someone else had to take her. She she, she wouldn't go out the house. She was terrified. So she came here and uh, we did some work with her. And then she came and did a few other things and et cetera, et cetera. And then I got, um, you know, I didn't hear from her. I heard from her the next other day saying, I've just walked my daughter to school. I can't believe it. She was over the moon. She was overjoyed and stuff like that. And then and um, and then, and then, and then she she went on to become uh, a nurse and, and started working in nursing and stuff like that. And it was fabulous. Another story was of a lady called June. She was uh, 84. and. Uh, she was never going on a plane. She was terrified of flying. She was going to a wedding for her grandson and she was terrified of flying. And I, I did, I did some hypnosis with her and some work and uh, she went and I wasn't going to charge her because come on, man, she's 84 year old lady, you know, I'm not going to charge for a lady. Well, the one thing said as she was leaving, she said, I know you're not going to charge me, but can I give you a hug? And she gave me a hug. And then, yeah, it, it, there's a lot of, I have a lot of beautiful stories in, in my, uh, in my life. And I'm a very, very lucky individual. And not one moment do I, I complain, I moan. You, you know, you're not going to obviously see that side of me. But I'm a very, very, very fortunate human being to be able to do such a job and be able to be able to do it and feel that I'm naturally, uh, I won't say naturally gifted because that's egotistical, but I have a natural um, enjoyment with it that makes me uh do better things. I think it's all about your, my intention as well with the client. I always want my clients to get the best out of themselves because it makes me happy.
0: And were you always like this? As a child, did you always have this natural inclination to care for people and to see others succeed? Yeah, I
1: mean, my, mo- my mom said, I remember my friend, um, you're getting into it for now, he's getting into this. I, I, I bought a picture of the other, there's a couple of things. I bought a picture the other day. And I, I, I put it on Instagram. Anyone wants to go on my Instagram, we can have a look on Vinnie Showman uh, on Instagram. And it's a picture of a, a a boy. And I don't know if you've seen it. Are you following on Instagram? Of course.
0: Yes, I do. I don't, we follow if you if saw, I don't know if I saw that picture, but I do follow you.
1: <laughs> there's a picture of a little boy in a, a coat called, we call them Parkers in England. And they're, called it, and they're also called a snorkel. And he's got a, 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 sal, a salbutamol uh, asthma. Puffer, we call them puffers in England. And um, he's got one of them. He's also got a stick in his hand. And he's got, uh, and then there's a silhouette of Darth Vader behind him. Now, I walk, it's from a, a shop on Bowles Street, it's a famous street in Liverpool. And I walked into this art shop and I saw it and it just, it resonated with me so deeply because it reminded me of my childhood. I was an asthmatic child. I had a, a every stick was a lightsaber. Or every stick was a, a blaster and a picture and a silhouette of Darth Vader. He had the same coat as I'd have, the blue puff for that. I never went anywhere without. I had the same coat, the same uh, sneakers, as you'd say, we call them pumps in England. And it resonated with me deeply. But it's, it also makes you think back that I remember stealing some food from my house um, and my friend got kicked out by his mum. And I, and I don't know why, whenever. And I snuck the keys to a caravan, you know, like a, a trailer thing, caravan thing. Somebody, I don't know the name, is America. And, uh, and I snuck him in and I was bringing him food and my mum caught me. And she said, look, he can't stay in here, he's got his own mum to go back to. And there's always a stomach in a teacup, he's going to go back to his mum anyway. But I was bringing, stealing food from my house, not stealing, but you know what I mean, to feed him. And my mum said, um, I know it's very Christian of you, but you shouldn't really do that. Da, 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 da. Well, there's other instances. I don't know. I've always felt better. I've always, I've always, I've always wanted to pick people up. I have that. I like it. I, I like underdogs. I like underdogs. I like to show, you know, because look, we're not going to get. I'm not going to get out of this alive, are we? But I mean, it's. I like to be able to pick people up. But everyone likes. It. And I've, I've always wanted to have that. Night and shining up. If you said someone put on Facebook, what would your superpower be? And I would say heal the sick. I mean, what else do you want to be? Like to fly. I've always been thinking: if you can help people out, make them feel better, make them remember you, make them stay in their hearts, in their in their souls, and, and get them, and then give them a little bit. I may sound a bit sort of um, fingers down the throat sort of thing, but that's how I've always been. I've always been, I've always been like that. I've always been i uh, I've always wanted to make people better.
0: You know. Did you ever imagine you'd have this career in doing what you're doing now? No,
1: I I always imagined I'd be on TV and um, and because and I am when I do commentary and which still I still love, but you know, um, no, I didn't. I did, but I did remember going to an airport and I done I done a seminar, and it was my first one. I was flying back from Scotland to England, and I remember saying to myself. I want a job where I I would wear a tie, I'd wear a suit, and I and I travel, and I have done so. Yeah, it's kind of law of attraction, whatever you want to call it, the secret, or whatever. Um, my intention, and I made it happen.
0: And what's kind of next for you in terms of what what you'd like to do in the future? I I, I think what I what I remember on on Rogan was you want to um, kind of train future mentor or coaches
1: yeah i do and um yeah i do i want to um th- there's a thing coming out in september called the shawman solution which is going to be um the tricks basically it's mind tricks it's things to get you out of the state of what, being negative and, and, and putting together that's going to be a video series that's going to be coming out in september i think to get my i have to get organized um the next thing is to come to America with Liam Harrison again from September the 10th to the 22nd in on the West Coast. We're going to be doing seminars all over there. If anyone wants to go to one of them, just contact Brian Dobler at Double Dose Muay Thai in uh, Fontana. Hopefully we'll get to go and see Joe again, um, Joe Rogan. I'm going to come to America on uh, the 10th to the 22nd. We're going to be doing um, a, uh, a series of seminars, The Fire and the Fury and the Focus 2. Liam's going to be showing people more excited technique and I'm going to be showing them how to
0: get the mindset to do it. And do you find also, uh, I was just thinking about it when you were talking earlier, do you find that being in person makes a big difference with your clients?
1: No. No different. Different than Skype
0: or FaceTime, no. Not really. And how, even for um, some of the Hypnosis sessions—you could still equally get that that same effect um, through Skype and FaceTime.
1: Yeah, always, wow. I, always, always. Yeah, there's there's, there's no different. There's, there's a little couple of things that are different, but nothing that's ever come out that's that's not worked. So no, it's, it's always been, it's always done well in, in in either way, really.
0: And do you think this is something that this kind of job of of coaching? is kind of made possible now that you can, you know, talk to people from other sides of the world. And I don't know how how it worked in in, in the past, but I think yeah. this idea of coaching and therapy and especially athletes going to sports psychologists. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with any American football players, but there's no. one pretty famous one. His name is Russell Wilson and he's a he's a superstar. And he's very, very vocal about going to see sports psychologists. Which is something that I don't think in the past was a little bit more… Was definitely less common. Just because everybody always thought that, you know, the big tough football players or fighters were too tough to have a coach. Or didn't need to because they were, you know, these warriors. What do you think is that? What do you think changed that kind of idea?
1: Um, it was, it was hidden, wasn't it? I mean, Mike Tyson used to have uh, hypnosis before he used to fight. Right. Um, so did uh, Joe Calzaghe and, and, and different people like that unbeaten. Um, yeah, I mean, the times change, don't they? I mean, you know, where did keto come from? Why did, where did, you know, where did, um, you know, strength and conditioning come from it, uh, things move on, you know, and, and people evolve, people want to get better. So you know, you look for every aspect of, of improvements and the mindset now is number one. I just think it is because if you can go in there, you can be fit, you can be strong, you can be healthy, one rest in your wash, you're finished.
0: I uh, if you had to do it like a little percentage of physical to mental, um how how important would you say zero to hundred, the mental side of your preparation is for ninety percent. Ninety
1: percent wow. of it was mental, because think about it: you wouldn't push yourself in training if you didn't want to be stronger. In in, in your, you wouldn't push yourself in jiu jitsu. Jiu jitsu is like you have to put yourself in some horrific positions, or, or you have to go through pain: knee bars, arm bars, kimuras, um, muay thai. You get elbow, boot, knees thrown. Um, you know, wrestling slammed on the floor, grabbed, pinned down. You know, all your you know, think about it when you're when you're on the floor and there's someone on top of you wrestling. <coughs> and They can hold you on the floor. There's nothing more frustrating. Like you, I think of than than that. You know, you can't get up and they just got you on the floor. So, you know, that's mental. So it's not just about the, the physical side. It's, the physical is a prerequisite. For, uh, uh, being tough is a prerequisite. If you're not tough, you're not going to make it anyway. That's 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 already a um, an ingrained thing it can be improved. Of course it can, but it's, it, I believe it's 90% mental.
0: And do you think all mental coaching are around the trait or uh, are, are around fear and doubt?
1: Um. Yeah, yeah. Lack of confidence or anxiety or a, a doubt phase. are all, all come under the umbrella, the same umbrella, I think. I think we all have something that um, whispers to us when we're alone or whispers to us often and we want to silence that or make sense of it so I wouldn't say that um, it's always fear it's like a, it's a doubt or the way they put it together it depends on the person really you know um, I've never worked with anyone that's, that's scared of going into the ring really uh, especially after I've worked with him but it just it's about the person, how they interpret that, that word or any of the word that you say that could be sounds negative, you know, that we we, we all use. It's how they interpret in their minds that, that makes the differences that make a difference.
0: And on another uh, uh, another question I had was on actually on, on Rogan as well. You talk about mm-hmm. how increasing your peripheral vision can be beneficial. Will you kind of go into that? Yeah.
1: Peripheral vision is um, a state. Um, so increasing the peripheral vision, if anyone wants to learn it, they can go and, on the Joe Rogan um, show. And I did that, explain it on there. Increasing your peripheral vision calms the body down and puts you in a certain state. It calms you down. It gives you, um, gives you a sense of calmness. So when you've got a sense of calmness, you're more than likely to succeed at something. Because you, you know, your body can still, but you can still be doing something that's arduous and strenuous. But if you have that peripheral vision, it's a, it's a, it stops you having negative um, thoughts. Not for always. You don't walk around. No one walks around and doesn't think negatively. That's nonsense, you know. But it's it gives you a way of taking a break from the world and um, focus inward.
0: And speaking of negative thoughts, I was I was curious to get your take on this because, especially in the U.S. and you know, I guess around the world as well, but there is this big issue that whenever people here, you know, might be going through some sort of depression or uh, you know negative thoughts that, and they see a doctor, there these doctors are automatically um, because of pressure, I would imagine, from the big pharmaceutical companies to give their patients yeah. pills. How? What is right. your take on um, this kind of epidemic at this point um, of these doctors just being so quick to prescribe uh, medication? And do you find, in your experience, and I'm sure you've read a bunch of studies, uh, you know, with regards to this, what is your take yep. on on using pills to get through um, depression or tougher times?
1: Um, they work um it, they, they do work i mean if, if it's placebo facts or not regardless they work so if it works for that person and it gets them through it fantastic you know doctors get a hard um doctors get a hard um hard time i think um you know one slip hook from a doctor and they're the worst person in the world you know and the only human um you know like everybody else you know it's a job they try to do their best i think that i think every doctor goes into the goes into being a doctor with the highest intention of looking after people. I think that's the premise of it. I think you have to think like that. Are some doctors bad? Yes. Are some doctors good? Yes. So, you know, are they giving out tablets um, willy-nilly, as they say in England? Some might. Uh, do they all know. Um, if it helps people get through a difficult time, then why not? You know, if you've got a headache and you take, uh, I think it's Advil you take in America, if you take that and it gets rid of your headache, then no, what's wrong with that? If it helps you and it gets you through it, then fine.
0: Do, but you wouldn't recommend trying, uh, do you think trying to get through it naturally and through conversational therapy is in the long term maybe a more beneficial solution?
1: The only beneficial thing is ever to get rid of any sort of problem is contact me. <laughs> 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 shameless plug no um I, I i just think i just think look if if you feel the need to go to the doctor and the doctor is a good a doctor and they may talk to you and they may give you prescribe something that that goes awry that you may need some sort of help that's okay i mean it's not weakness it's not it's not um there's nothing wrong with that and then if you have that to just ease you through it, and also do some therapy as well. Then it's a double double barrel, isn't it? It's a double barrel thing. It's, you know, it's um, it's the um, it's the way forward. I mean, if that's the way you want to do it, I've got no problem with people taking antidepressants and things like that. No.
0: What are some of the struggles of your job on a daily basis when people are you know confiding their entire lives in, into you? Sometimes after one session or a couple sessions. And it's a lot yeah. of pressure. It's high stakes. You're dealing with real, life yeah. human beings that have sometimes a lot on the line. What is some of the hardest part of your job? It's not. It's not. I don't find it hard. And I, I, I really don't.
1: Look, it, it works like this. If, if you're drowning, if you're drowning in the sea and you're a lifeguard and you're rescuing someone, if you throw the, the life, boy, ring, whatever you call it, and they get onto it and then you pull them back and back to shore or back onto the boat and you've rescued them, that's, then that's your job. You don't get into the sea with them. Mm. So when anyone talks about a problem, I don't get involved in it because I can't. Because if I get involved in it, I'm useless. I have to be disassociated. I have to look at it from a bird's eye perspective. So it's like you, you can't you can't jump into the problems. I have had some there's some sad stories. Sometimes it is what it is. And you know, some will, some won't, and so what? You, they can't do anything about that, you know. Um it's uh, it's not I don't have a problem with anything of it. I like it all. I love it all, I love the job, I love the good parts, the bad parts. There are no bad parts, you know, because it's. I just see it as I don't really get involved in it. You can't, as a therapist, you can't. If you get involved, you start feeling sorry for people. And there's some upsetting things. Of course there are, uh, Felix, mate, there is. But if you get involved in it, you're no use to them. Say someone's in a fire. And they're screaming, and you're a firefighter, and you you know you have gonna gotta go in the house or your host, and your hose, and you gotta put the water out, use the water. Da, 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 da. You don't get inside the fire and start screaming with them. You go, no, ah, no, oh, that'll help. I'll jump in with you and start screaming with you. It doesn't work. So you've got it. You've got to remain out of it to help it.
0: And do you ever... do you at this point? Is it is it is it? I mean, I don't know if it's a certain type of numbness, but do you feel like? You have to still kind of take a step back when you're listening to some stories or some people's lives.
1: No, when Anthony Josh, you were lost. Um, you know, I didn't go. Oh, it's a shame for him because that's what he's chosen to do. You know, and I didn't feel his punches for him. He seems a nice guy. I don't know. I don't know nothing about him. You're getting involved in something that's not. It's not about you. You're there to solve the problem. You're not there to get involved in it. So there isn't a numbness. There is certain clients where I put the phone down. And I do. Um, would I shed a tear for them. Yeah, I mean, of course there are. You know, and there's the, the some where I just shake my head and think, how can people to be so diabolical? But that also, my job is to change that. Is to be the light. Or show them the light, if that, and that sounds really sort of like evangel- evangelical, whatever. But it's to show people that, look, you know, that, that yes, there are times like that, I get it. But there are also times ahead what you can change. And you're in control of your, you can steer your rudder to a different, through the storm and get to a, a brighter day. And that's that. That's our job. You are going to get storms and waves and stuff like that. But, you know, not everyone's going to win. You're not always going to get the outcome you want in life. That's just life. But we just try and do our very best with the, with the tools that we have and um, give people resources that they can use for the rest of the tools that they can use for the rest of their lives.
0: And do you think a mind coach like yourself um, needs to truly be uh, a, a selfless individual? Because, I mean, with you, it's, you know, it's it's super clear that you love to see not just your clients, but just the people around you. I'm sure it's the same with your family and your friends see them succeed. And I feel like yeah. sometimes there's also this um, idea that therapists and coaches of me- mental coaches get a hard knock because they act like they have the solutions to everybody's problems. Do you think that the best- No one, go on, sorry. Do you think that the, to truly be a successful mind coach and to truly tap in with somebody, you have to, you have to remove your ego?
1: No, I mean, you know, do do I like people like you've mentioned earlier, mentioning my name and and saying they're working with you on Instagram? Of course I do. I mean, that's just you know because it gets my work, it gets me work. I'm not going to lie, it's fantastic hearing from people like that. Um, Do you have to be selfless? No, because it's not, it's not anything to do with you. Mm. They're telling you a problem. It's not, it's not anything to do with me. So, I'm not really, I'm not, I'm only giving, I'm a postman of information or a guider, like shining a torch and saying, Well, that's the path you go and walk it. They walk it fine. they don't, that's up to them. You can't make them, let's is say, isn't he? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. So, it's never to do with really being selfless. I would love to pretend that I'm selfless and start giving myself these angelical wings. I'm certainly not like that, uh, and if anyone meets me in Las Vegas on my birthday, they'll know. But yeah. um, you know, uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's not about being selfless. It's about it's about number one, it's about wanting results. Number two, you've got to care for your client anyway, but you've got to want results. You've got to want results for them, with them. So that's that in that in that category. Secondly, you've got to care. But the client's got to care too, because if the client doesn't care, then you you, you tend to well, I don't care. either. you're not going to care and want want it more than that. You've got to want it equally.
0: And do you keep relationships with your clients even? Or actually, let's before that, do you feel? Um, are there times when you'll be working with somebody that you'll feel like like boom, there it is. You you're at that point that I wanted you to to be at this you don't need me anymore. Does that ever happen?
1: Um, No. I mean, I, I never. I, I think, boom, you don't need me anymore. And I'm like, hey, you can go now, child. And you are now a it's Jedi. It's not like that. No, never. I mean, they, they will still contact you and ask you advice. like I contact my teacher and ask me for advice. I have a couple of teachers, Bob Burns and Colin Mackay, who are both Scottish ironically enough. Um, I ask them things and what do they think of stuff and I get their perspective on things. No, no, no one's ever, no client is, client,
0: once you're a client, you're always a client forever. And there's one actually, there's one really nice testimonial. I just want to read a few, it's a few sentences, I think, where it's uh, Glenn Cordoza, uh, a New York Times bestselling author that basically talks about how he had this kind of poor mindset that had eaten him up for years with negativity and kind of blocked him from realizing his full potential. And he, kind of, and he says at one point that everybody needs a mind coach. Do you think that's yeah. true?
1: That everyone needs me <laughs> um, as the mind coach. Uh, especially all rich people <laughs> who are very rich need a mind coach, especially me. There are other mind coaches that are – there is no other mind coaches, only me. No. Um, would I say everyone needs a mind coach? Eh, not really. I mean, it's Glenn's interpretation of the world. Glenn co-written um, – Becoming a Supple Leopard with uh, Kelly Starrett, brilliant book. Um, no, I mean it's his interpretation. Does everyone need one? No, and I, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't be. You know, that's a negative thing. To, oh yeah, you should. If you want one, get one. If you want a shampoo conditioner, get one. If you want Thai food, go and get some. You know, if you want to, you want to improve yourself. If you feel that like things are in your way, then we will work on it. Do I promise results? I promise to make you feel better about being you. Promise the end goal of what you're going for that's up to you. I just pick you up and then say, Right now, there's the road you're going to walk. It's up to you now, walk it, run it, or jump it, whatever way round it, or wherever you want to
0: get. That's up to you, but I will give you the help to get there. You know, and do you if you had to give a little bit of advice to somebody who's you know who, who really enjoys what you do and yes, wants to follow in your footsteps? to become yep. uh, to have a similar kind of career, what is kind of the best advice you would give them?
1: The bad advice I would give anyone is, in 2020, we're going to be launching the Vinnie Shorman Mind Coaching Academy. That's where we're going to have people who want to learn my way of, of being a mind coach. A way that's, that's not stuff that works. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't work, the stuff, but a lot of stuff that that works, that's tried and tested, and um, there'll be a certification and stuff like that. That that'll be in two thousand and twenty.
0: And are you going to have? Do you do? Do you do a lot of seminars? Yes,
1: we're doing seminars in the from the tenth to the twenty second. I, I don't know. We're going to have a couple of days off because it's my birthday, as I've mentioned. But um, yeah, we're, we're going to do some seminars in the West Coast uh, in September.
0: And then, do you have uh, any potential book plans in the future? I can see you writing a book. Sorry, do you have any potential book plans in the future? You know what? You know what the problem is, Felix. I'm lazy. <laughs> okay. I am. I'm lazy. Um,
1: my wife like that. Um, but I mean, I mean, I, I do. I have an idea for a book, but I, I don't feel like I've accomplished enough yet to publish one. So I think this year is going to be a very big year. You know, I've been being a guest on a fabulous podcast, listening to great people like you and, and having this opportunity to to spread the the word of what I do is fabulous, and I really appreciate that. Please don't forget that. Yeah. Um, but the book, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. If someone makes an offer being able to do it, when we can do it, I don't know. But it'd be good, I, I guess. Um, I have thought about it. Have I done it? There's a lot of things I thought about I've not done. You know, I'm like everybody else. But I um if it if it benefits people, let, let's see how the Sherman solution goes and the uh the Sherman Mind Coaching Academy, it's gonna be it's gonna be like the X-Men. <laughs> so without the wheelchair and the bald head. Um, yeah. So actually the Colin who's gonna be conducting some of the uh some of the teachings there, he's got a bald head, so he can be professor X. I'll be a uh, mystique or something
0: famous this out I think it's beautiful the the stories the, the two stories at least you told us about um, I think it was the the elderly lady and uh, the the mother that brought her 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 daughter to school for the first time after nine years. What do you want people to get from you if there's one takeaway from what you do and the legacy that you know in the next 20 30, hopefully 40 50 years for yourself to leave behind?
1: Decency. Just to be decent to people. Just show people decency. Show people kindness. You know? Show people kindness. If you can do it, do it. Don't do it to take pictures of yourself on Instagram, that you're giving you know, money to the homeless and getting someone to video it. That's that's not, that's not insincere. It's that's not that's not sincere. De- decency to be decent to people, you know. I, I, I'm not perfect, and I, I can be a whiny, like anybody else, an idiot, you know. Get, you know, upset or frustrated, you not know, like anybody else. But I mean, to just be decent, if you can help someone, do it. Because I mean, that we're meant to, as a species, we're meant to, you know, what I mean, we're meant to help each other. That's why we got so. That's why the higher the food chain, but we seem to not want to help each other and want to see. There's a There's a word in German called, I think it's called Fraschenschauber. I might have said it wrong. I'm going to post it on Instagram today. And it's it's when you enjoy other people's downfalls. And I think that's becoming more and more evident now of people seeing, enjoying people failing and then jumping on the bandwagon and, and stuff like that. Look, it's just about being decent. And I think if you can be decent, and you know, you know, and be decent to people and give people, even if it's just saying I like your shoes or I say that all the time, and I'm really camp anyway. But it's like I'll say I said to a lady the other day who was in my car, and my window was open. I said, Oh, I like your coat. And then she walked to me like I was mad, but that's fine. And then she walked off with a big smile on her face. There's just instances like that that I do all the time, and I just like that. I think I think when you've got someone serving you in a, in a restaurant or, or in a, a supermarket, or Walmart, or whatever. When someone's got the name badge on always say, thank you, John or Julie or Kevin. I like that because it makes them feel good.
0: So. And I, I love that too. So I just want to say, first of all, I just want to, before before we go, you can find all of Vinny Shorman's work on com. There's a bunch of, I would highly recommend that you read a bunch of the testimonials. There's contact information. There's a whole lot of good information on there. You can also find him on Twitter at Vinny Shorman, correct. And you could find him on Instagram at Vinny Shorman. Vinny, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time. No problem. Because I, you know, I I actually started this podcast because of I think Joe Rogan is is the best in the world at what he does. And yeah. I I saw I listened to you on both of the episodes. And I'd really enjoyed uh kind of your your outlook on life and and I also follow a lot of the UFC so I get to see who's, you know, the rumblings of what's going on in the UFC, and I saw that yeah. when Cody and Kevin and 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 Eddie um, started working with you. I mean, you know, it's, it's it's it didn't surprise me. So I just want to say um, thank you so much for taking the time, and it it does truly mean the world.
1: Yeah, and the same same to you. You know, I mean, it's it's fantastic to be invited in, on your show, and um, and if I can help you out in any way, uh, shape, or form, just let me know. Uh, i owe you a hypnosis session so we'll do that later on in the future and like i said you just be decent man if you can be decent to people just you know no one's perfect um you know and like none of us get out of this alive so you know if you can be decent to someone help someone out and um, make someone's day even for a few moments a minute a few seconds whatever and, you know you never know what someone's going through.
0: yeah beautiful thank you so much finny okay sir no problem